So the first thing I want to show you is briefly is going to have a two-minute video, kind of chill you out, because people have been asking about Sugarloaf Christian Ministry and where Earl and I serve. It'll come up a little bit more in our talk, but visuals are always nice. And in the summertime, our church meets, weather permitting, uh, outside. You ride the chairlift up the mountain, and we have a temporary amphitheater, and we get to sit, and we get to kind of do CFO. Um, uh, we, we, we open up, we look at the great majesty, and I will often do very um, experiential and interactive things. Everybody go find a rock, or, you know, everybody go find a blade of grass. I, you know, they're used to me by now. But it's a great way. Hikers are coming through. People are coming up the chairlift. We're right out there where everybody is. And I thought you might like to see it. So this is just two minutes. Somebody did this for us with some drone footage. Uh, I just thought you might like to see it. That's it. Nothing fancy. And that, that is where my wife and I got married. So up there, that was our... Yeah. yeah. Uh, some people have been dying to know what, 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 what my grandmother's name was. So I... So that was the other thing that I want to make sure. So, so, um, so my... Uh, so I'm Grammy Pammy. I'm the fun Grammy. Just wanted to go on record. I'm the fun Grammy. And, uh, but these are not my Grammy glasses, ha, ha, ha. Um, these are my kingdom glasses. So the talk we're going to give tonight is uh, Raising Kids in the Kingdom. Raising Kids in the Kingdom. And so how this is going to work is Sam and I are going to kind of talk to you. Do you want to be on this side where the, where the kids are? You want me to be on the old people's side or what? You want to do that? Okay. <laughs> You should. You should take issue with that. What I want to know is why there's like this snake right in between us, which is kind of funny. I'm kind of getting a kick out of that. And so we're going to do a little bit together, and hopefully, and I, um, oftentimes I will wear these through the whole talk. I don't know how long I will get to because you're kind of, but don't you love these? These are the best things ever. Seeing the world through the kingdom. These are by Jesus' lens. Looking through Jesus to see the world changes everything, doesn't it? And looking through Jesus to see my children changes everything. So, anyway, at least get through this. So, Let her in. you sure? You sure you good? You good? Okay, great. Okay. A couple of scriptures to start us off from Luke 18, verses 15 to 17, where Jesus blesses the children. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. And then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I take that seriously. The second one is from Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and we're using the Amplified Bible. You'll see why in a second. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor. 
esteem value as precious. Your father and your mother. And be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exacerbate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. But bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this talk is Sam and I together. And it's not about what a wonderful parent I am or a wonderful parents that Earl and I are, nor how great a kid Sam is. I mean, both might be true, but that's not what this is about. Just kidding. It's really about how amazing God is. Okay? It's really about amazing how God is. There's a woman named Kate Braystrup, and she wrote a book called Anchors and Flares. And Kate Braystrup is the chaplain for the main game warden service. Does that make sense? So main game wardens, they, are, they deal with all things outdoors. Like say there's a, there's a, say there's people are snowmobiling out on the lake and a crack opens up in the ice and the snowmobiles fall down and the people go down with it. She's the person that comes on site to minister to the families, to minister to the people who are going down to search and rescue. So that kind of usually very intense and very, but anyway. I just want to give you credit. She's an amazing author, great to read about her, Kate Braestrup, B-R-A-E-S-T-R-U-P. But she says this. She goes, a friend told her that no parent, no parent should be allowed to give parenting advice until their own children are at least 40 years old. <laughs> because until then, the jury is still out on their kids. <laughs> and you know, that's a terrifying thought. Um, but you know, there's some truth to that. So, you know, we're still really a work in progress. So we're not giving advice tonight. We're really not. We're just reflecting on what it's been like to raise children with a kingdom perspective and through a kingdom lens. Sometimes we make it, sometimes we don't. But uh, I do want to make a disclaimer. This, if, you, if you do try to attempt this, it can be dangerous. Um, so be careful about trying it at home. For us, uh, one of the ways I talk about the kingdom of God, and I didn't talk a lot about that this week, but for me, the kingdom of God and what is the kingdom of God and how do we enter it and live it, that's huge for me. One of the kind of shortest definitions I have of the kingdom of God is life the way God intended it to be. Kingdom of God, simple. Life the way God intended it to be. And if the kingdom is life the way God intended it to be, what are some of the kingdom principles? that I want to make sure my children live into, about forgiveness and mercy, accountability, justice, compassion, that kind of stuff. So we're going to give you a couple of bullet points. Some of you like to take notes. Some of you don't. It's all good. Um, but those of you who are, the first one we're going to talk about is treat children, treat young people like human beings, not children. I had touched on this previously uh, yeah. in one of my talks. but. Pam, would you share with us a story as to how you truly did treat us like small human beings? <laughs> so my sister Leanne is over to visit. The kids are really small. Ben comes in, actually, and says to me, Mommy, can I have a knife? 
Now, probably like four or five, right? Little, little. Mommy, can I have a knife? And my sister loves to tell this story because her head's spinning around. Because I turned to Ben and I didn't say no. I said, well, what do you need a knife for? <laughs> and she's like, what? Why are you even asking him that? Just tell him, no, we can't have a knife. And I'm like, but why questions are important. And uh, I kind of engaged him, and I, then I discovered what he did want the knife for. And we went back and forth in a conversation, and I decided that a spoon would indeed work for the dangerous thing he was about to attempt. And so I actually gave him a spoon. But I didn't just say, no, you dumb kid, you can't have a knife. Which is what my sister would have said. She was a little sure on that. <laughs> she admits that. Uh, one of the other things I love is that when, when Ben and Sam, did I tell you all this already? This is a problem with speaking for a long so. week. Yeah, um, when our kids were getting ready to go to kindergarten, they went to kindergarten, went to public school, um, they each were given a gift for their start of school. Anybody want to take a guess what their, their gift was to start school? Not a knife. Not skis. What'd you say? A lens bra? Oh, a lunchbox. Close. Anything else? They're really hitting on the knife theme. They really are. They're liking the knife theme. That's good. Keep going. No, I gave them alarm clocks. Showed them how to set it. Said, you're on it. She never woke me up again. Never woke him up again. Slept in peace through my entire middle school. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I mean, and you were in a bunk bed, and so you decided to have yours, and it was, had a CD, in, and everybody know, you guys know what a CD is, and, and he'd send it to something, he'd said it really loud, and he said it across the room. So he was up on his bunk bed, and, and he could train himself so that when you heard that when the alarm went off and the, and the CD went, he could hit it off before the... Newsboys came on, which was like, like, like rah, 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 rah. Um, I gave them, I gave them, you could tell already, like, I gave my kids their lives. So this is when I'm leaving to catch the bus. You better be in the car. Here's the alarm clock. Here's how it works. I treated him like he was a person, not like he was in capable. Anyway, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of parents come up to me, particularly in the ski world, like a lot of, mm. you know, other parents of kids skiing, and they're like, how do, you, you know, how do we get your, my kid to be on the U.S. ski team, or how do I get my kid to act in a respectful manner at the race? And I always tell people, well, if you want your kid to act like a kid, just keep treating him like a little kid. And if you want your kid to act like an upstanding adult at an early age, then treat him like one. I'm going to share with you a great story of the only time I ever hit my brother. We were in Park City, Utah, which is where I live now, which is pretty funny, and we were on a family ski trip there, and my brother and I were uh, sleeping on a pull-out couch together, and in the middle of the night, I rolled off the pull-out couch and rolled underneath. You know pull-out couches, they have all like the weird springs and everything, I like scratched my back wicked when I rolled under uh, the pull-out couch. I proceeded to sleep there the rest of the night, woke up the next morning, oh, my back is like all like bleeding and scratched, and I had to blame somebody because... You know, that's what you do at that age. And I dreamed up this story that my brother had pushed me off the bed in the middle of the night and that I had rolled under there. So I climb on top of the bed and I get right on top of my brother and he's still sleeping and I kind of just wait there until as soon as he opens his eyes. And then bam, I punch him right in the nose. Blood everywhere, just like all over the sheets. You know, he's just like screaming bloody like murder. Four, maybe? No, older Five? than that. Older no, than no. that? Age check? Age check, 
That's why I we would, brought you. I would say, yeah, six, six to seven. Right. Six to seven. Okay, you should know. And uh, <clears throat> my brother didn't hit me back. You know, he just freaked out. Uh, and so the parents were faced with a punishment um, for my actions. And so they decided, as a good skiing family, that where our, our hotel that we were staying is and the chairlift um, was like a couple hundred yard walk. And we had the privilege to stay at this really nice hotel. Usually we don't stay at hotels. It's like a whole nother side story of how we snuck in there. Um, but for brevity, uh, there would be these uh, ushers that basically they would carry your skis to the lift for you and just put them down on the snow and you could just walk in leisure to the lift. And for that whole week of our vacation, um, I was allowed to go skiing, but I had to carry my skis and my brother's skis all the way to the lift. And just picture like a six, seven-year-old trying to carry two pairs of skis. I mean, it was just like a struggle every day. It's like the worst thing ever. And every day these like bellmen would come out and be like, oh, can, can I help you carry my skis? And my dad would be like, get away from him. <laughs> Think Carissa, right? Commanding that. Get away from him. <laughs> And that was my punishment, treating me like an adult, mm -hmm. uh, having consequences for my actions. I never did hit him again. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of work to treat your kids like human beings and not like kids, because it's so much easier to say, no, you can't do that. But our kids were always asking why, and to give them the respect of answering the why, even when they couldn't always understand it, I think is, well, it made a lot more work for parenting, um, was, was really important um, for us. So yeah, um, another one, treat, number two, treat children as a gift of God. Makes sense, right? Treat children as a gift of God, not your own. You know, they don't belong to you. So what mother in their right mind would allow their child to travel down an icy incline in their underwear? Let me think about that's, it. That's a summary of what I do as a career. <laughs> Um, I want to tell you a little story. Um, this happened, I think, in 2006. So that means you are, what, 10, 10 years old. Yep. So think about the 10-year-olds. You know at camp. They're old enough to be capable, but they're not always old enough to make good decisions. What's a 10-year-old what's kid here that everybody knows? Dylan. Was, no, Dylan's not 10. How? Max is not. Okay. Thank you. So, um, you know, people have asked me, well, how can you, like, support Sam and doing what he's doing? And I always come back to this story. So, right, we live at a ski resort. My office is right on the mountain. You saw the picture of the chapel. It's right there next to one of the bunny slopes. We, I literally can walk out of my office, walk across this bridge. I'm on the ski slope. So it was one snowy winter day in December of 2006. Sam's ten and a half years old. And it was a snow day. We don't get many of those, by the way. Like, it's got to snow a lot to get a snow day, because uh, for obvious reasons, because otherwise we'd never go to school. So Sam is home from school, but he's with me at the office. And so, of course, he's going to go out skiing for the day. It's a great day to go out skiing. Um, and the day just flew by. I'm in my regular routine. I'm working at my desk. I'm working at my office. I'm doing my things. I'm in my normal routine at work. It's December. We have a north-facing mountain. The slopes are on the north face. In December, before the solstice, the sun never, gets, never hits the front of the mountain. 
that means anything to you geologically. Like, that's how dark it is. It's dark. And, you know, we're getting to... It gets dark really early. I don't know, in December. When do we lose the sun, Earl? Like, yeah, like 4, 4, 15. So the day flew by, and all of a sudden I realized, I haven't seen Sam all day. And I'm thinking in my back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he didn't come in for lunch. <laughs> what a great mother I am. I never saw him. This is pre-cell phone, Steve, by the way. This is pre-cell phone. He didn't come in for lunch. And I said, well, he's got a lot of friends on the mountain. Maybe he went to somebody else's house and grabbed lunch or something, right? It's 3.40 in the afternoon. And the reason I know this is because I journaled about this afterwards. It was 3.40 in the afternoon. The lifts close at 3.45. We are really at the end of the day. It's been snowing all day. It's dark that time of year. And my adrenaline just all of a sudden kicked in like, oh, my gosh, I've lost my child. And, and I don't know where he is. It's a big mountain. There's no way. It's, it, I mean, it's not like even like the town park. I mean, you saw the picture. It's a mountain. It's lots of it. And my adrenaline kicked in, and my heart started beating, and it started racing, and I started... And those of you who are parents can relate to me. I just started bargaining. I just started bargaining with God, like, right off. I have a rocking chair in my office, and I was just rocking in my chair. I was having this anticipatory grief that I had lost my kid. I mean, this was real. And um, it almost seems silly now, but in that crisis, in that moment, I was on full-fledged, like, oh my gosh, what has happened to my child? And part of the reason it was so real to me is because the year before, we had had a young teenage girl die on the mountain. It's a story I haven't shared with you, don't know that I will. I might. I don't know. Um, kind of stolen the punchline. But it was a young woman named Allison Murphy. And she was 15 years old. And she died on the mountain. Um, and so, you know, that was right in my head right away. This was hitting too close to home. My son is missing on the mountain. I t called the ski patrol. They all know him. I said, you know, this is... I'm, I, I, Sam is out there. I don't know where he is. I don't know who he's with. I don't know what he's doing. What a great mom. And, um, and I am just, the minutes are just crawling by, and it's getting darker and darker and darker. And I gave Sam to God, like, so much, so much, so much, so much. I'm like, okay, Lord, if you just save him, if you just save him, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And I, has anybody else bargained with God for something like that? You just... You're like, you'll promise him anything uh, if you'll, he'll just bring your child back to you. And, and the grief was just so real. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, what happened to Allison Murphy is by the time Allison Murphy went out skiing the year before uh, and had um, fallen, hit some snowmaking pipe, had died on the mountain... But we didn't know who she was. She didn't have any identification on her. And I'm thinking, does Sam have any identification on him? No, I don't think so. Um, and it was a long process to find out who she belonged to. And by the time we located that mother, Allison's body had already gone to the funeral home. I mean, it was that kind of just heart-wrenching stuff. So, so that's too close in my head. And so I'm just praying, 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 praying. Of course, as you can tell, he was found... He was perfectly safe. 
He was making jumps with his friend Thomas on the mountain. He, had, he wasn't riding the chairlift. That's why he didn't come back. They were making a little jump with a shovel or whatever, and they were having a grand old time. He had no idea. He was perfectly safe. We had, he had no idea anything was wrong. But I will tell you, God and I had a reckoning that day. And he heard my heart cry, and he met my heart when it was breaking, and basically said, you just have to give them to me. You, you just have to give them to me. Um... And so I did. He belongs to God. So people ask me, how can I do what I do with him? Because I have wrestled long and hard about giving Sam and Ben to the Lord. Um, and I am merely a guardian, and I should do a better job than I did that day, I suppose. But um, I'm just a guardian. He's just on loan to me. Um, that's part. Anyway. Yeah, my parents are more able to rest as I travel and kippy across the globe because they have given me back to God. Listen closely to this line. My parents letting go of the fear that God won't get it right because God will act on their behalf. So my parents have gone through the process of letting go of that fear that we so often have that somehow God won't get it right. Worrying will bring you to the grave, and laying your children in God's hands will give them life. When I was 17 years old, I qualified for the U.S. ski team, and I took the family minivan, loaded up my mountain bike and my kayak, and drove from Maine all the way to Park City, Utah, to go live uh, with a host family completely by myself. And my parents packed up gave me the family atlas, not too dissimilar from the family Bible in our family, uh, and said, West is that way. And I headed out west um, to live the summer by myself. Not too many 17-year-olds have gotten that opportunity. Um, do you remember? Thanks for recognizing that. Yes. Do you remember the tornado part of that I story? do. Okay. So, so here he is. He's traveling across country. And, every, and we would call him every once in a while because he's on his own. He's driving by himself. You know, it's a long drive, you know, 800, 900 miles. I mean, like, just huge amounts of miles at a time. And, uh, and then we start paying, attention to the, <laughs> start paying attention to the news, and there's all these torn... We do, he was taking I-80 I across, you know, Iowa, which goes on and on and on, and there's all these tornadoes that are going on. And do you remember what happened with the tornadoes? Do you remember watching them? And you, you would call and you'd tell us about all the tractor trailers that are on the side of the road and... You stopped in Nebraska, like I think Lincoln. Anyway, it was so hard to have him far away from us, not being able to do anything, kind of trusting at that point his judgment. Um, yeah, just have to let him go. Just got to let him go. It will tear you apart. I, I just remember like hunkering down with like the trucking community <laughs> at some like truck stops and like being like, all right, like these guys have been on the road a lot longer than I have. Like I'm going to move when they move and kind of following right. their lead. Yeah, yeah that was cool. So I just encourage you, you will have a much better time as a parent to the extent to which you can let your children rest in the hands of God and trust God that God's going to do his job. And, you know, you can't do God's job for you. And um, that's how we've made it. Uh, the third one we wanted to touch on was to treat children like they are not to the center of the universe. Oh, my gosh. How many?
many kids are the center of your universe? Oh my goodness. Please don't be offended as we just reflect on our experience. But I am sorry to say, my dear ones, you are not the center of the universe. I know, Dylan. Man. <laughs> I know it disappoints you too, right? <laughs> it's, it's a real bummer, uh, but it's true. So, Mom, take us into your universe. Oh, let's see. Um, oh, I was going to read something from my journal. Hold on. Oh, you guys love journals? journals. How are we feeling about the journal reading entries? Ah. Okay. People like it. It's pretty real. It's pretty real. What was I going to read that I haven't read to you? Ah. Ah. Sorry. I'll let her search for a sec. Yeah, go ahead. Um, wow, this is good. This is good stuff. As she said, you are not the center of the universe. And particularly uh, as a pastor's kid, really early on in my life, learning that other needs of people, you know, other people's needs sometimes come first. Um, and I have a lot of stories, and we may dig into some of those in a little bit. Um, but that, that feeling of your parents kind of... Uh, sometimes like abandoning you for others for their call of ministry. And it was really interesting being raised as a pastor's kid and having that realization like, whoa, like, because, you know, I need to get picked up from, you know, the bus stop at such and such a time. But more often than not, honestly, the story is like somebody died on the mountain and my parents are needed for, uh, you know, pastoral chaplain ministry. ministry. And I had to, you know, catch a ride home with a friend and get dinner somewhere else and kind of derail my whole life for someone else's life that was really getting derailed. Yeah. How many, how many, how many preacher's kids do we have in here? Yeah. Any pa- okay. One, two, three, four. Not too many. Any over here? Any pastor's kids over here? No. Okay. Wow. You got one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah two. Yeah, okay, yeah, we got a couple. <laughs> you probably, you can probably relate to this then, you know? Um, yeah. Um, why don't you talk about, th- this journal isn't nearly as good as the, uh, the accident Lift with the chairlift. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's really good. Okay, um, so chairlifts, you know, kind of this crazy apparatus. They take you up the mountain. You're like hanging way high in the air. Um, there's, we have two chairlifts uh, at our mountain that go up side by side. I was on one of the chairlifts. Uh, the other one fell off of the wheels at one point and you know like so a whole like section of chairs like slap into the ground and like throwing bodies everywhere and I was on like the chairlift next to it I was like oh my gosh and they like unload our chairlift and then you know obviously shut it down um huge lift accident you know this kind of thing like makes national news when this happens and uh obviously my parents were called into action um And it wasn't just my life that was being interrupted. My grandfather, my mom's mother, was in the process of dying at this point. She was, you know, pre-grieving that loss of our grandfather. Uh, This huge accident hits during Christmas week at Sugarloaf. Christmas plans go off the rails. 
There were some very serious injuries kind of dealing with the families. Um, Because when you go on ski vacation, you know, you like load up the car, just like going to CFO camp, right? And you have like all this stuff strewn about. And like when an accident happens and one of the adults is in the hospital, like just collecting the family and the things and helping them kind of move back south um, is quite the process. Well, yeah, and you're often... That takes like time. And you're often on, in this case, they were, there there was one family, a bunch of them were on the chairlift together. So out of the five people in the family, four of them were on the chairlift. Three of them ended up in the hospital. And, uh, and I remember particularly with that family, um, and, and they're not in the hospital here, they're way down in Portland. And to come alongside that family in the midst of it, literally, we were like, sorry, kids, you know, make a way, you know, just, just find something to do. And we literally t- went into these people's home that they were there. We took... We took all the ornaments off their Christmas tree. We took their Christmas tree out. We packed all their clothes into their luggage. We, I mean, we literally cleaned out their fridge. I mean, they're all down there in the hospital, you know, and we literally, like, packed them up. I mean, and yeah, so sometimes, you know, our kids just... You had to just figure it out. Yeah, and this was a powerful story for me because I like I witnessed it, right? Yeah. Like I was there, there and I saw this accident and then I saw then how it affected our family unit. And these are just like examples of how I got that ingrained in me that I'm not the center of the universe. Yeah. Other examples are often we have ski races on the weekends. My parents are working on Sunday. They weren't able to go to a lot of my races yeah. on Sundays. Um, the... The, one of the most like powerful races we've had in our family is my brother's last race at Sugarloaf ever in his career. And my parents missed the first run because they had to lead worship. Right. Um, so though we put skiing as you know, a big passion of our life, others' needs certainly come first here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I asked Sam to talk about why that sense that you're not the center of our universe in a healthy way, like, what does that do for you? And how does that help you as a human being then grow and mature? What would you say? Out of the three points that we've kind of laid out of our Kingdom Living, can you just recap them? Yeah. Number one, da, 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 treat your children like small human beings, not little kids. Number two, treat them as a gift of God. They're not just yours. And three, remind them, just remember that they are not the center of the universe. Uh, and... and Step, you know, like, don't fall into the temptation of making them the center of everything because otherwise they turn into egomaniacs. But anyway. Yeah, and making your kids that feel like they're not the center of the universe is really dangerous. Um, and some of you may, may be alarmed at this, um, but examples of uh, kids that often feel like they're the center of the universe are picky about food. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't like hard work. They never realize that comfort isn't the goal. Mm. I have a whole CFO talk on resiliency itself, but I think one of our goals um, as parents is to raise our children to be resilient to just the trials that the world's going to throw at them. Mm. And resiliency is born out of being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, Do we want to finish with... Story of a comfort? I think we should. That, and, and Paul talks about that, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance per- produces character, and character produces hope. And so if we don't allow suffering in our children's life and appropriately, obviously, um, I'm not talking about beating your children. I'm talking about, you know, like, oh, my gosh, there are consequences if I don't make my bed. 
or there are consequences. I don't know yet. If we, if we, if we, if we, you know, rescue them from all that, they don't, they don't get perseverance. They don't get resilience. And then they don't develop the character. And then you wonder out, why are, why do I not want to hang out with my kids? Why are they so annoying? Um, but, and it's so hard because it's so much work, isn't it? As a parent, you don't want to see your kids suffer. And it, and it's just so much easier. Gosh, it's just so much easier if you just give in. <laughs> um, but don't. So anyway, what were you going to talk about? Yeah, speaking of comfort. Or were you going to talk do about fast camp? Do we fast camp? Yeah, do fast camp. Okay. We have time. Um, yeah, so I obviously introduced fast camp, the Christian ski racing camp. Um, it's a super, super fun time. It's got a lot of CFO elements, like I said. But there's also like an absolute grind to the camp. Because we're skiing in the summer, all the kids, we get, up, we get them up at 5 a.m., these are like 11 to 17-year-olds. I got to say, the 11-year-olds pop right out of bed. 17-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> it's tough. And the kids have a phenomenal time, and we do not cater to their comfort. Ski racing is inevitably pretty uncomfortable. You're cold. You're wet. Um, but it's amazing. You, you might feel at first like, oh, my gosh, my kid is going to hate this. And there was times pl putting this camp together that I was like, geez, like talking to my dad, like, is our program like too rigorous? Like, are these kids going to have any fun? Um, and let me tell you, we have plenty of fun. And though they are uncomfortable, they realize that they're not their, you know, their happiness and their comfort is not the center purpose of our camp. And it is so fulfilling and rewarding for them. And they have an awesome time. And none of them going away saying, oh, man, I just, I didn't feel loved or I, I, didn't, I didn't have the comfort um, because I forgot to pack my pillow and I just had to roll up my ski pants and sleep on that all week. <laughs> no, they came away with a feeling of fe feeling like they're part of something bigger than themselves. Mm. Um, you know, that's what we're preaching here at the kingdom huh. uh, is being part of a larger unity and body. And that begins with the parenting of not making your child the center of the universe. Did you have something to add there, Dylan? You were just waving? Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, hi! Uh, you, you can get a shout out. Shout out to who? Oh, Dylan, Dylan wants to give a shout out. Everybody. <laughs> Um, I think maybe we'll stop it here. The little kids haven't shown up. Are they not showing up? Did we sell them? <laughs> All right. What'd you say? Yes. They're not the center of the universe. Um, yeah, let's pause. Yeah, we'll get, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap it up here. I think we have a couple things we may talk about tomorrow morning. But um, if you have some other things, and we'd love to hear from you some things that really worked for you in terms of raising kids that you love to be around and raising kids that are making a difference in the kingdom, always collecting those principles and thoughts. Um, but as you can tell, Earl and I love our kids, um, but we were not just willing to let them um, be like everybody else. I wanted to see you in the kingdom. I'll see you in the kingdom. So thanks for letting us. Let's, let's pray and then let's do the nine o'clock prayer together. Lord, you give children into our hands. You bless them. And this camp is full of children and a desire to have children. And they're so amazing. And God, we know, those of us who are parents, that it is not for the faint of heart, that each child is unique, that each child needs a different kind of parent. And I just pray for all the parents that are here, 
that they, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would know your wisdom and your guidance um, to know when to push, when to pull back, um, and how to parent each child as your gift. We give back our children to you. They are yours. And as we hear them coming, Lord God, thank you for the gift of children. And we pray for the children that they would come to grow and to know and to live in a knowledge of your son, Jesus, and to be change makers in this world that your son, Jesus, came to save. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hear us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Thanks. Have a good night.